You're listening to The Running Public. From marathoners to mud runners, we all have the same goal. Get to the finish line faster. That's right. This podcast is for you guys, The Running Public. This is The Running Public's Training Tuesday. Training Tuesday is where we talk about training only. One topic, we dive deep, we explore it completely. It's training, it's Tuesday. Training Tuesday. Tuesday, Tuesday, Tuesday. There it is. There it is. It was an active weekend for me, Kirk. Yeah? What'd you do? Commentated the Savage on Saturday, but we had a rehearsal dinner for a wedding that I was partially in on Friday, and then they had the wedding Saturday. Ironman World Championships was on before, during, and after the Savage Race Saturday, and there's a lot of good track action over the weekend. I was just inundated with wedding and running all weekend. Mm, I didn't keep up on anything this weekend. Not a thing. No, so I guess you should fill me in. Well, I don't want to spoil anything because the Ironman, for it being an eight-hour viewing session, should be mandatory viewing for anyone who is interested in endurance sports in any capacity. A lot of cool storylines going on. The continued Norwegian expansion into triathlon and endurance sports, on the feet at least. Mm -hmm. And then the Americans, Lionel Sanders, uh, Daniela Reef coming back trying to defend some titles. A bunch of names last minute pulled out. And it was just an incredible race. And it was as dramatic as an eight-hour race world championship can be in that no one's lead was ever safe. So it was really cool to watch. Mm. They streamed that whole eight hours, huh? In two parts, yeah. Wow. Where? What service? It was on Peacock and YouTube and Facebook Live. And you can watch it, I'm assuming still on Peacock, but on YouTube it's free for everyone. In fact, I had it on a little bit this morning rewatching the finish. Well, I was on the assault bike uh, for 80 minutes this morning, really kind of grasping at straws as to what to watch because <laughs> I've been through it. So, nah. All right. Well, so don't spoil it then. But it's always good when that comes down to like, you know, that last six miles of the marathon to finish it off when you got people being hunted and the places are being jostled in the top three. I remember a few I've watched and um, and there can be big swings at the end of an Ironman that last marathon especially the second half of that marathon to finish like some people are charging and some people are coming back and the risks taken earlier being paid for later and it's actually Mm -hmm. like more dramatic than it seems without knowing what happened i have a feeling it probably went somewhere something of along those lines happened in there there's a bit of everything but one of my big takeaways from it is that even at the pro level the longer the races the more likely it is that people still have not figured out how to pace themselves that race plans go right out the window according to race conditions and what people around you are doing. So even the top two, three, five, ten people in the world, several of them massively misjudged their efforts during this race. And it should make us all feel better. And it should show us all the power of managing your effort yeah, in a race. True pros. No one ever was upset that they had some energy to burn in the second half of a race. Yeah. And no one ever was totally pleased that they just cracked and fell apart with way too much time to go. Well, it's a tricky thing when you have a race with different modalities mm-hmm. in it. And two of those modalities are non-impact modalities before 
the impact of road running sets in. So like, I have to imagine you don't necessarily know the damage you're causing on the swim and the bike until you get a little ways into like the high impact running and you're like, Oh shoot. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like that's where it's going to always happen. Right. And I, I don't know how it played out, but I imagine that's where the big swings, they always happen in the run, but yeah. In general, people like to overwork the bike. Because yep. it's rewarded in triathlon. You spend so much time on the bike. But for many people, the bill came due in this mm. race. So that doesn't give anything away. And I'm not going to say any more, but definitely watch it if you've got time to kill. That can take you through an entire week of indoor workouts, that race. Right on. And how did Savage Race play out? I was um, I was doing yard work like a crazy man this weekend, so I was not. I didn't watch one ounce of TV media or anything, so I'm, I'm out of the loop. So. What happened in Savage? On the women's side, Chris Roglowski won, shocking absolutely no one. <laughs> and then on the men's side, Alvaro took it home, wow. one by 10 seconds over Sean Roberts. And it wasn't that close. Sean started running it down towards the end, but Alvaro won. He went uh, pillar to post. He was leading one step into the race, and he was leading at the end. And watching, and Nick Riker came in in third. Woodsy fourth, and then so on and so forth. I think Jared Flank from there. On the women's side, we had Chrissy McFarland and Jereen Klingberg, I believe was her last name. I had a couple athletes race, and, and I heard the words cross-country course used. And I used it on the broadcast. Oh, you did? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and that's not a – I wasn't saying, oh, this is just cross-country. But looking at it reminded me of watching cross-nationals. Groomed, manicured. Yeah, and maybe not as groomed or manicured, but just as flat, just as fast in many spots. They dipped off the trail just a handful of times. So it was it was a very fast course, and I left with some appreciation for your fitness, Kirk. Why? Because you've, you've matched up with Alvaro several times, and he's never really fully gotten the better of you, like, definitively. No, I'm confident I would have beaten him if I didn't have failures in Florida. And then, yeah. yeah, and he was clearly... The class of the field there wow. so i left thinking kirk's fast yeah speaking of that um we have a shorter episode today because of me i'm a problem i've had some home issues today we had a storm roll in and my power went out for like two and a half hours and then water's leaking through my floor which is a problem so anyways it's been a gong show so now we are we're on a time crunch so we i don't know how long we want to babble about ourselves but speaking of running point being um, I got an email from the Superior Spring Trail Race, the 50K. And as you know, I've decided not to go to Big Bear, which is this weekend. And then I get mm -hmm. an email from the race director saying that this is Wednesday last week, um, that there is still two feet of snow on portions of the Superior Hiking Trail. They had a late winter. And although it's going to be warm in the two weeks leading up to the race, the concern is with the trail conditions and then the abuse of having all of us runners. They have a 12 and a half K, a 25 K, and then the 50 K is the main event. And so um, it's not really their call. I guess it's the park system's call whether or not they're going to allow the race to happen on the Superior Hiking Trail. Um and one of my secret goals, not so secret, is I'd like to break four hours. I was 403 on this and condition that's going to be out the window. I can tell you that already. But they are um, suggesting changing it to a road ultra. They're not canceling the event. Not even just doing multiple loops of the runnable sections. 
Nope. Well, that's an, it's an out and back is, is what it is. You go out 25 K and back 25 K. So they want to move it to like the gravel back roads and some of the County highway and, and all of this. And now I'm like, man, is this the world just telling me I'm making the wrong decision or not? I don't know, but they're coming out with, uh, they said the Wednesday before, so not this Wednesday, but the next they'll have an official decision but they, they really encourage us to show up and race no matter what, Bracken. So that's where we're at with that. What do you think? I think that there are very few trail runners in the world who would be excited about being switched to a road of 50K. And this is a trail. Like I know all you across the country never heard of the Superior Hiking Trail probably, but it's a very worthy trail just because it's not in the mountains out west or east. This trail is as trail-esque as it gets here in the Midwest as far as challenge and beauty so it's a big one if you lived by the appalachian trail or the or somewhere on the pacific coast you wouldn't be disappointed by having to run this trail no not at all you would be on it thinking this is a sweet trail sweet sweet trail very technical very up and down very um you just got to be focused the whole time laser focus anyways so people travel in for this race and it's a certain crowd that wants to go out there and, and play on a very mm-hmm. technical course. And so the potential of it being switched is a little bit of a bummer. And then I'll have to decide, you know, what I want to do if that's the case. We've had the strangest weather in the Midwest. I think, what did we have? Two days of sunshine last month in Wisconsin. It was considered yeah. something like that and the lowest temperatures in a while and I don't know. It's just, it's weird. Very weird. Also, you have to then make a footwear choice. Right. And I don't know if I have really the right tool for the job in my arsenal necessarily, if it's on some gravel and some, we'll see, but that's tough. Yeah. I mean, it's fine. It's just like one of those things, a little bit of winds out of the sail and maybe we'll run on the trail and it'll be fantastic, but I'm just kind of holding my breath there. What would you do? Like, let's say they, they email you three days before and say, hey, and I respect it, by the way. We just had a conversation with Adam Buck, trail master, mm-hmm. who uh, said respect thy trails, and I agree with that. So, like, what what do you do? Show up and race anyways or pivot? A, a road 50K just holds no draw to me, so I wouldn't go. I would try to get in their ear and say, hey, if it's a out and back loop, let's shorten the back, wherever that turnaround point is make it at like the farthest point we can make it so that it's still sustainable for the trail and run multiple loops. Yeah. Out and back twice. I, I, I personally can't fathom running an ultra not on trails or mountains because that would just be torturous for me. And it would take away the only reason I run an ultra is to be out in that terrain. So for me, it would be a very difficult change to make. I think for you who has your eyes set on a marathon anyway, it's kind of like a, it's, it's like, I don't know, a dress rehearsal. I could be the only guy in a 31 and a half mile race, truly just going out there to run a hard 26.2 and then come limp in the last five miles. Yeah. Wouldn't that be interesting? Yeah. And on gravel, you can wear your regular road shoes on gravel. Yeah. It's pretty hilly though. I mean, it would be nothing. They wouldn't put a marathon. I don't think up there with that undulation or at least it wouldn't be a fast one, but, um, so they're not moving it far away. I think they'd keep it right there, yeah. Okay. But they put a lot of work into that race, getting it ready and the organization and all that. So I understand them wanting to keep it going uh, regardless. But, yeah, we had the um, – since recording in, like, I don't know, 1878 or whatever, we had the seventh coldest April on record in the last 140 years. 
So I think that's kind of why. Yeah. yeah. Global warming did not get the memo in the Midwest this year. Yeah, it's making up for it, though, with 80s this week. We see 90 up here on uh, Thursday, I think. Yeah, suddenly we get a blast. Bam. Um, you want to talk? Should we dive into topics? Do you want to fill the, the, the crowd in on what else you got going on with yourself? As of yesterday, we're a go for Vegas doubles championship. Callie's feeling all right? Callie said that she jogged and it didn't set her back. So if she woke up today able to not still be set back, that she's going to plan on racing. That's a tough place to be in when you have the biggest race of the year, um, at least in the high rocks regard, come and you know that you're probably losing some sort of fitness due to injury leading in, but you think you can still swing it. That's a tough, it's a tough way to go in. And she could perform fantastically, like I've done it myself. But you know, like this is a, a cerebral sport and a sport of head games, yeah. and no doubt those are going to be being played. They would by me if I were in her shoes. Yeah, and I think she's in a good place with cross training. She's a lot like you. She said, "I'm good. just crushing the bike right now." Heck yeah, Kelly! But I sent her a message actually this weekend that said, "Hey, I know I'm not your coach, but I just feel compelled to give you coach style advice." And she works with Ian Hosick, so I just wanted to be clear: like I'm not stepping on his toes. I just want to tell you what I'm thinking. There is a sled push, and there are five miles of pavement running, and you have bottom of foot pain, and it's just going to be stretched on that sled push, that heavy push that you have to be on your toes, just cranking down into the ground, and then run five by thousand or eight by thousand on pavement. The one area that's most damaged on you is going to be the area that receives that specific stress of the sled. So, if you think there's a chance you can set yourself back, definitely put some stock or make that a weighty part of your decision because I'm less concerned about her fitness and more concerned about what will the race do to her. Yep. If we go in there and we lose, we go in there and lose. Like there's not a, there's a chance we don't win even if we're both 100% healthy and fit because there's a bunch of monsters yep. in this planet. And if we go in there and she feels like she's out of shape the way I felt in Chicago, well, how could I ever have any negative feelings towards her? I did that to her in Chicago. I couldn't hold up my end of the bargain compared to how we would planned out the race. So I don't care about our performance other than that I'm ready to go thrash myself and care about our performance. Mm -hmm. It's more, what will it do to her? It's the biggest race of the season thus far, but she has so much to train for, and she has a history of a foot injury, of a stress fracture and stuff like that. So I'm more concerned about what would a high rocks do to a foot. And you're a guy with a foot background. Mm -hmm. High rocks, I would assume, sets off a few, like, cringy warning bells like man that would hurt my foot if it wasn't doing well the sleds and the burpee broad jumps and just the flexion of all that with the lunge i mean everything that's what would bother me more than yeah. the, the running yeah hmm all right she she gets to make the final call as of right now we're doing it sweet and that's that i'll pay attention to uh, race media this next weekend then all right Set a check off. All right. So Derek Rubis was our previous guest mm -hmm. and he sparked a lot of conversation with people and a lot of deep self-conversation. I felt inadequate after having talked with Derek because Derek does not care about what's going on. He just gets his runs done. And what has been the theme, the trend of my last three years is just my motivation to be my best running self ebbs and flows. I never stop liking running. I never stop liking racing, but the desire to choose something and be at my best for it hasn't been as 
commanding of a force in my life. And there's Derek with every single hand in the deck coming up against him. And he's just grinding out 85 to 100 mile weeks inside his parents' house. Mm-hmm. What a great conversation, huh? It was. And we said in there, if we could bottle up what you have, we'd solve the motivation crisis in in all facets of humanity. But I kind of want to talk more about that because I've, I've received many messages about, all right, he made me realize it's time to just get over it and get back to work. You know, several of my athletes, several of the listeners, several people I know in just normal life here that's not athletic based were like, it was a good reminder that we just got to suck it up and be better. Yeah. Yeah. One of my favorite conversations to date. And I think, yeah, I got a lot out of that conversation too. It's just like the word perspective just kept coming to mind, like Mm -hmm. perspective, perspective. We find hairs to split and things to complain about. And uh, for those of you who haven't listened Derek Rubis running 100-mile weeks in his house um, isn't on a treadmill. It's in his house, around his house, up and down the hallways, utilizing the large master bathroom and putting time in on feet, doing structured interval training in his house. Um, So uh, for those of you who haven't listened, you need to go back and listen to that episode. Um, the audio is a little funky in the beginning and then you just forget that it's even there and you just get engulfed in the conversation. There's a lot of things going on in the background in the Rubis household, but, um, yeah, you, you bring up a good point. Like, like if you don't, if not doing it, isn't an option, then you find a way. Yeah. And he's found a way. And that theme has popped up with some of the ultra athletes we've talked to, but that if you just remove not doing it off the table, All that's left is figuring out a way to do it. And I was thinking if I made a list, if we had a, if we had a a column with Bracken Crocker at the top and Derek Rubis at the top of the next column, and we just wrote out our lists of things of why the workout didn't get in or why it didn't go well. And I lined up all my lists of things for why I skipped a workout or why I delayed or changed the workout or didn't have a good workout and then look next to his, I would not have one excuse throughout the entire list that would match his. Every single one would be dwarfed by what he has going on. And yet, my list of workouts I missed would dwarf his. Mm. And it was embarrassing to look at that and realize it's all BS. It's all smoke and mirrors. We can convince ourselves to make a mountain out of a molehill. Every day of the week with our workouts, with our diet, with our motivation, with our addictions, with our, with our thought process, with our relationships, we can convince ourselves of anything. But at the end of the day, there's someone else out there who just doesn't care and is going to get it done. Mm-hmm. And that person right now in my life is Derek Rubis. I think you're being a little hard on yourself in the regard. Like you've been putting in some pretty good work lately and you sure. stuck to the script. I mean, your tendency in the past, you've had moments or periods of time that you have talked yourself out of or snapped out of through whatever means possible. But, um, it is still good perspective. I just want people, yeah. you've been, you've been working hard lately. Let's not discredit your commitment. I've been working okay, but, but it was less about like the reflection on me and what it says about me and about the rest of us who are not doing the Derek Rubis type of commitment. Yeah. So I just, 
this isn't a woe is me episode. This is a, this is how it made me feel. I got a bunch of messages where people made it made them feel a certain type of way about themselves. And the thing that we don't like seeing in the mirror that's reflected off of Derek Rubis is an addressable issue. It's not like you look in the mirror and say, well, I can't stand my face <laughs> and there's nothing I can do about that. It's, I can't stand that I have some weak excuses and there are people who don't make excuses. So maybe we can all fix that together. Mm-hmm. And just list listing again, for those of you who haven't listened, or if you have like Derek's list of excuses, let's call them uh, a medical condition, which involves seizures that he needs to be medicated for. So that's always in the back of his head, right? Still has his cyst on his brain. Yeah. He, um, has uh, self-admittedly been working through um, an eating disorder and thoughts of suicide, so to speak, which he's been open talking about and fighting the good fight there. He has recently been diagnosed with colon cancer and needs to be so close to a bathroom that he can't run outside or even on the block because he needs to be able to jet in right away. He's going through chemo every single day at noon, radiation pills he's taking in the morning and the night. Um, and he's living at his parents' house right now, getting getting through it the best he can in Arizona. And uh, if you start adding those all up, and you start thinking of reasons why not to do something, mm-hmm. you don't have to try very hard there, do you? No. And what is the one knee-jerk reaction that people could have to discredit that? Be like, yeah, well, when you have so much taken away, that's all you have left and you need it. Sure. Mm-hmm. But then why are you upset with yourself for missing it? You clearly need it too. Mm-hmm. I asked him, what's the biggest open space in the house? And he said, the master bathroom is pretty big. <laughs> now, I've watched all those shows of the lifestyles of the rich and famous, MTV Cribs, all of that. I've seen some mansions, Kirk. I've seen some big bathrooms and there's not one I ever looked at and thought, man, I could get some good mileage in right there. (laughs) Yeah. There's no possible way that running indoors is convenient in any way, shape or form other than access to a toilet. And yet he got his 18 mile long run done that week and a 12 mile morning run followed by a five mile PM run the next day. And he did what? Three sets of five by thousand up and down the hallways. Yep. I mean, these are just, it's its so far beyond the scope of what normally people would do that it makes us all look foolish when we skip a workout for a not like, uh, my treadmill broke or I couldn't get on the track so I didn't want to do my workout or it was raining or it was dark or I had a long day at work. Those are all fine excuses, but let's not fool ourselves into thinking that they are actual roadblocks. They're simply excuses. Mm-hmm. You know what I thought um, after the fact uh, after the conversation with him running inside and all of that, um, is he had uh, somebody created Nick Nick Willis created a GoFundMe or somebody created a GoFundMe for Derek mm-hmm. um, to raise money um, to pay for treatment, and then they found out that insurance covered is covering treatment, so there's some money in the GoFundMe that um, they don't need, which is fantastic. Um, and he said he wanted to take a vacation to Dollywood. <laughs> mm-hmm. Or Disney World or whatever it was, which is endearing. But I thought, like, that that guy needs a treadmill. Don't go to Dollywood. Mm-hmm. Don't go to don't go to Disneyland. I say you buy yourself a treadmill, or we find a way to get that get that man a treadmill. 
is what I think we we should try to do. If he's open, to, I want to snap. I'm going to Snapchat him this afternoon. I'm going to say, "What's your take on treadmills?" Just in case, maybe we can find a way. I don't know. Just thought crossed my mind. Well, Tim Lambiris posted on our Instagram post about the episode, and he tagged Woodway, Nordic Track. I think Soul, everyone, and said, which one of you is going to step up and get this man a treadmill? Oh, <laughs> he did? Okay. So you're not the only one thinking that. Mm. All right. That's a little bit of a tangent. And what would it take? If we have, I don't know, two to 3,000 people that will faithfully listen to this show, and we all pool it up $1, we can buy him a high-end treadmill. Mm-hmm. Doesn't take much. Now, I'm not saying right now this is what we're asking you to do, but if Derek says, yeah, I would take a treadmill... Why don't we all just put $1 in and get them in a treadmill? Yeah, I'll I'll ask him. Um, I already Snapchatted him for the day a couple of times, but maybe I'll give him a surprise afternoon visit. Um, he always snaps me from bed in the morning. I think it is early. He gets that, he gets, does that right away. Not a weird way. Don't go there. Um, but I, I, would, I wouldn't take it there. Kirk. The look on your face says otherwise. So... What do you make of this then? What do you and and really this is all we want to chat about today because we're a little short on time and we just want to talk about that concept in general of like, like eh, what's your excuse? But like, what is your ex- what is your excuse? Yeah. And you know we can justify anything and of course there's times where it makes sense to um, back off, let's say, or prioritize other parts of your life. Like running mm-hmm. is and isn't life, correct? Training is and isn't life. It is the only thing and it means nothing at the same time, right? So, like, what do you do with that, Bracken? Well, I've had several athletes finish up race blocks or start race blocks recently. And so we've been having our face-to-face conversations or over the phone, and we always start by talking about what the race is going to entail and what we're not prepared for right now. Or historically, like, what does my skill set, what am I not suited by about this? What, Where are my weaknesses? Where do they all lie? But it's always about physical traits or fitness traits or the elevation profile. But it got me thinking that maybe we need to do that same sort of checklist, but for excuses and shortcomings. Hmm. To say, what are the things I've just grown to rely on as a crutch? And then just put it up, project it against the Derek Rubis chart and say, does this fly? Is this a real issue or is this a self-created crutch that I'm using? And so mine oftentimes is, I just don't know in the morning if I really want to lift or run first. And oftentimes I sit there and then after a while it's like, well, now I'm too hungry. (laughs) So... I'm just it's always lift first. It's always lift. Yeah, and for a while it was lift first, and for a while it was run first. And you know what? They both worked for me. But what didn't work was indecision. And then there's a few other pieces like that for me personally. I don't want to make this episode about me. I just want to use some examples. But that mm-hmm. was one of them. It seems so foolish. Everyone would say, well, just pick one and get it done. Lifting is probably best for the guy in the morning because his testosterone is at its highest. And then you can run, especially as a multi-sport athlete, you can run fatigued later and it's sports specific. But just mm-hmm. pick one. It doesn't matter. Just do it. And yet me, as a podcast host and a running coach, will sit there some mornings and I'll be drinking something and thinking, hmm, should I have a little something to eat now and go lift? Or should I not eat something and go run right now? That is a crutch I've used, and I know that if by the time I'm two drinks into my mason jar in the morning of my my morning little mix I have, if I get more than two drinks into that and I really don't know what I'm going to do, it's probably not happening. Mm. 
So you don't roll out of bed and get a little food in you regardless? I don't usually, no. Sometimes I do. Sometimes I don't. I mean, it really depends on, on what the day is like. If it's just an easy run, I just roll out of bed and go to the yeah. bathroom and then go run. Mm-hmm. And if I lift, I usually drink something beforehand just because why not start my day with some with my emergency and whatnot. And But that that's a little excuse thing. It's It's become like the first time I did it, it was probably cool that I got to hang out a little bit in the sunshine in my in our sunroom in the morning and relax a little bit before I worked out. And pretty soon I just looked forward to relaxing there in the sunshine and I wasn't getting up early and grinding on the treadmill or on against the weights in the morning. So what are those things that we all have become accustomed to using as our reason to maybe pass the buck down the line fitness wise? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, you know, you take those things uh, like for, for instance, mine, I would say is um, not prioritizing, let's say sleep before workouts that matter or get caught up. I'm historically like get up to pee at three 30 in the morning go back and lay in bed and be like, I know if I stayed here, I could sleep, but maybe I'll just get up and do that enough. And I know it's going to impact my workouts down the line and I don't do it. For example, that's one thing that I do. So the quality of my, you do which you lay there or you get up. Well, sometimes I do both depending on, sometimes you'll get up at three. I got up on Saturday at three 30 hung out at my house and we, I, I put Jess was, I woke Jess up and we went and made the hour drive to Afton. We were running by five thirty in the morning. Yeah. For example. And how my, did she handle that? I, she was kind of up too. I don't know why, but we, uh, but my run sucked. Like I felt like a zombie and I felt like shit. And I, mm-hmm. I just like let my own ambition almost get in my way in a weird way. Like, I don't know. But point being, it's like, okay, so you have your list of things and then, um, Okay, so like being aware of them is sort of important, right? I think you're pretty aware. You're very self-aware when it comes to knowing like your tendencies as an athlete and where you barriers to success, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So is it simply just reminding yourself of like, this isn't so bad. I'm lucky. I get to do this. This is a gift. Why am I pushing it off or not executing? Like what? I guess it's like more like what do you do with that? Like without being hard on yourself coming from a place of like encouragement. Sure. You can compare yourself to Derek Rubis. Nobody's going to win that comparison as far as like, why am I not getting my work done or done appropriately? So without beating yourself up too much, which is easy to do. I have athletes do it every week. I think it's like, what do you, what do you do with that then? You know, do you see what I'm getting at? Yeah. I think you have to undo the habit the same way you formed it in the first place which was, but with intentionality. So let's say, for example, one of my big habits is if I don't have enough time to get a workout done, I'll skip it because I wanted the full workout. I don't want a lesser piece of it. I got that way by getting frustrated in the moment and saying, oh, there's not even enough time to do eight by thousand. Even though I preach, just get four by thousand in and then move on with the day or just get a 60 minute run and who cares? I'm, you know, screw it. I'm pissed off. I'm going upstairs and I'm going to slam around for a while and pout and then move on with my day doing the exact opposite saying I refuse to get frustrated by my small window and I'm going to take it as a challenge. If my window closes, how can I maximize it? And I force myself to do it. If it took me, let's say seven workouts of having my time slot closed a little bit and I bailed on it before that just became my MO. Now I don't even think about it anymore. If I look at the clock and there's less than 60 minutes on it, I don't do a workout. Because I know I'm going to be scrambling at the end, trying to stop sweating before my next meeting or whatever it's going to be. And I just don't do it. So if it took seven or 10 of those sessions before it became ingrained in me, 
then just set a timer for double that. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm going to give myself 20 sessions in a row to prove it to myself that I don't need this crutch anymore. I refuse to be frustrated. All right, there's 52 minutes on the clock. You have one minute to decide how you're going to fill those 51 minutes now, and then you've got to be moving, and you're going to be excited that you are 51 minutes ahead of where you would have been otherwise. Got done with that. All right, 19 more of those sessions to prove it. Maybe it only takes 10. Maybe it does take 20, but setting the same sort of expectations for breaking the habit as it took to create the habit in the first place because the habit's nonsensical, but it doesn't matter to your brain. It's been wired in there the same way that an actual important decision gets wired in. So you have to unwire it. Mm-hmm. That's very true. An example, a specific example of what you're talking about is actually um, Jess. Um, she had started a new job in which she was working 6.30 to like 4.30 or 5.30 every day. Um, it's about 45 minutes away. She has to get up at 4 a.m. to get a workout in. And even when she does, it's a 45-minute workout by the time she gets herself to work. And so she just kind of got frustrated and started working out on the weekends and wasn't really into it and was like hating running, so to speak, for like six months. She decided, <clears throat> like without any real purpose or anything like a little bit is better than nothing and so she'd get up at four and she'd get in a 45 minuter and then the same day over lunch when she had an hour she'd put on her running shoes go run for 45 minutes or a half hour 45 minutes come back slip right back into her work clothes and get the you know get on with her day and she started doing that for a few months and we just combed through her strava data she was like look at my pacing on my steady runs like she went on an eight miler and a 10 miler compared to last year and She's like, I'm running faster than I ever have, and I don't even know how I've done it because I haven't done anything impressive. Mm-hmm. I've just done something. She's she's on the running public training plan, which is funny. I don't give her coaching advice. She's on our running public training plan. And she'll take a snippet of it and do a short version of it if that's what it is. And like suddenly she ran a 17-mile trail race in Zumbro and took 10th place on the women's side without any confidence or expectation, thinking she wasn't doing enough. And heck, like, do you think Derek Rubis is killing his biomechanics? Like, he's just crushing the efficiency of his workouts right now, that he is working on that perfect stride and cadence in a house where he turns every five seconds? No, and that's the same version of, like, I think that's probably the most common excuse is either not doing it, not having enough time, beating Mm -hmm. yourself up over it, skipping it. I can't think of one that leads the way more. And Jess is a perfect example of that. You should see, like, where her fitness suddenly is at. And so I like that example, and I think there's going to be a lot of people that can relate to that specific one. And Jess found herself in the best fitness uh, one long run over the weekend and a bunch of short little things that don't look great on paper in the middle, and here she is. So point being. Making your case, Bracken. So the second example, and this one will affect as many people, if not more, is pre-workout. If I don't get my caffeine correct, if I don't have time to get my coffee in before my run, I'm going to have a bad run or I'm not going to run. I mean, how many people out there, Kirk, are this very day skipping a workout or having a bad run because they didn't have time to get their caffeine in or they were out of caffeine or they didn't get in as much as they wanted, or whatever it is about their pre-workout, they were out, their tub's empty. However long it took to get you addicted to that feeling that I can only run well and feel good when I've had my caffeine, you got to put in that amount of time to be able to run without it. And I'm not saying everyone needs to give it up right now, but we've, to any person that uses a stimulant, stimulant, in some sense of it, we've all been 
reliant upon it. Mm-hmm. Where you have a morning run where you just have to get up and out the door and meet your buddy and you just know it's going to be a bad run. You know, how long could you challenge yourself to do stimulant-free runs before they'd stop feeling bad and feeling normal? Well, a week. Probably about as long as it took to get used to the fact that taking stimulants doesn't make me feel awesome anymore. It just gets me up to baseline so I can do a workout. Yep. That's a huge crush. That's the biggest qualm in the morning for people getting up and getting out and timing everything for mm-hmm. sure. I get up a half an hour early um, no matter what because I need the time to do that. So I'm one of those people. I went for my first non-caffeinated run on Sunday. I rolled out of bed and was like, I just need a run this morning. And I, I went out there and it was <laughs> it was probably the least enjoyable run I've had in months. Mm-hmm. For that very reason. So yeah, that's a good that's a good one to keep your eye on. This started for me when I came off of surgery. I came off surgery and I was meeting Ross Weimer early in the morning for runs. And I hadn't been getting up in the morning because I work for myself. I can start my day when I want. I hadn't been getting up early for a long, long time. We're talking months and months. So that habit has completely been broken. And I had a little bit of caffeine one morning. I don't remember if he gave it to me. He might have given me a a bottle of something or a can of something on the way there. And by the time we got there, I was just chatty and I was, my synapses were firing. I was locked in. I was a, I was a good time. (laughs) (laughs) I filled our space with witty banter and my legs were clicking a little bit. And what I decided to start doing is anytime I had to get up really early for a run and we'd only get up really early when we had longer stuff. So it was long runs and quality workouts. I'd take a little bit of caffeine. It became a nice, fun morning routine. I'd get up, I'd put on my compression boots, those, uh, the air relax boots I have. I'd have a pop tart and I'd sip a little caffeinated drink. And then I'd get up 40, like you said, 40 minutes beforehand before we'd meet and start driving to wherever we're going to do our workout. And it was this really pleasing morning routine. Only big workouts, only big runs and races. And then one day I was just feeling crappy and I just thought, ah, let's just, let's just get rid of that fog. And then I had a good run and it was a recovery run and I felt like a baller. So I thought, well, maybe on recovery days, I'll start taking a little bit of caffeine just so that I'm not like slogging all over the place. And and then next thing you know, every single run, I'm taking caffeine before. Mm-hmm. Every single run. Where just a year and a half prior, I had never taken caffeine before a run my entire life. I think I was 33 before I took caffeine pre-workout. Wild. So how long did that take to become indispensable? And am I any better as an athlete than I was before? <laughs> no. But now I'm weaker mentally. Hmm. So it's a very interesting thing that people deal with is it's a very self-imposed, I can't run without my coffee. You know, Lisa will have it sometime. She'll be sitting there like, oh, I don't have time for this coffee to work through me. <laughs> I'm going to have to bump my run back. And we're kind of at the mercy of that too. Ain't nothing wrong with that, Bracken. Ain't nothing wrong with your morning cup of coffee. I don't know. I'm starting to feel like maybe there is. I'm starting to feel like I need to get it back down to just big efforts. Yeah. Well, then it works the best. Yep. And then from there, maybe just races. I don't like feeling beholden to anything, Kirk. I don't like feeling controlled by anything. Mm. And I feel like I've let that slide a little too far. See, for me, it's like I don't prioritize my recovery runs on those days. So I'll do my coffee in the morning and I'll get caught up on work and other stuff. And by the time that's all good and worn off, then I'm like, okay, 
it's time for my recovery run and then it doesn't have that same effect but on those quality days it's coffee it's 30 to 45 minutes later it's out the door it's crushing life and then you just you just play with your timing bracket that's all let yourself come down from that coffee and then run my point is i want to be able to crush life without caffeine mm. i don't want to be looking for i don't want to be having to reach for a source of it because i feel like i'd really like to be productive today that's mm-hmm. that's a mindset a uh, mind space i don't want to be in mm. Totally in that mind space over here. I'm looking at the clock, and I know you got to run here shortly, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but we we can't end this episode. And I I think the whole point of this is we just needed to touch on that. Like, what's your excuse? Yeah. Go listen if you haven't to the last episode, and just do a little self reflection on like how bad do you want it, right? Yeah. How bad do you want it? And looking for those holes, those spaces you can fill in. We spend a lot of time talking about training, a decent amount of time talking about the mindset of it, but. From time to time, I think we have to pick up the couch and vacuum under it. Mm. From time to time, we forget about those unseen places that we're just giving it away. So yep. take some time on your runs and get introspective for a little bit and see where am I just letting some some free fitness and life improvement slide. Exactly. Um, we did a bad job of something, Bracken. How did we get to the end of this and not talk about our new project that is coming out this week? Oh, my goodness. We're supposed to lead with this bracket, and we got flustered because I was messing with my power and stuff. We should talk about it really quick. You know what we got? We got race brain, Kirk. We totally have race brain. We we got a new podcast coming out, folks, and it is coming out this week. It is a um, collaboration with Rich Ryan and Jack Bauer, and the podcast is called Race Brain. What are we talking about on Race Brain Bracken? Everything and anything OCR and running related. Now it's it is the channel for Rich and Kirk myself to differentiate what we do on our own podcasts. Where on here we're very much training driven, but we don't spend a lot of time talking about the news, talking about reactions to races or people's races or talking the storylines of races. We don't we, we touch upon preview episodes a little bit, but this is a channel for us to actually be the sports personalities leading into a race, breaking down all the storylines going into races, coming out of races, doing reactions, the fantasy OCR show we do, race reviews, product reviews, gear reviews, shoe reviews getting into the other side that's not just training. And we don't want to muddy our waters on our own shows, so we're combining forces to create a separate entity for us not just to be coaches and athletes, but the other side of the coin as well. It'll be more lighthearted, more based around the community and the news and the races rather than just training. Yep, I'm really looking forward to this. And this will not affect our current podcast as far as our Tuesday and Friday episodes go, that doesn't mean we're, we're not going to keep doing this. We're going to keep doing this. Uh, we're adding race brain in addition to what we are currently doing. And, uh, you know, it might be a weekly show. Maybe to start, we're going we're gonna to hop on when it makes sense. Um, and as Bracken said, maybe we'll preview a race. We're going to do the fantasy drafts. We're going to maybe, you know, summarize and, and recap races. Um, but, yeah, it's that lighthearted, fun in-depth banter that i think you guys want more of that we're uh we're gonna provide which we're very excited about think about like not to compare it because we we really are just getting our legs under us but think things that like ocr report and obstacle racing media might cover except with us and our take and our spin 
and how we feel about certain things and talking about hot topics and current events and all the stuff that we don't do a ton of on our current podcast. So we need a place to do that. Yeah, we're not going to break news. We're going to react to it. The around the yep. horn, the part in the interruption, the cold pizza, the um, first things first, those sports shows of the world running an OCR deserves that. And we're going to try to our, our hand at that. So that's coming out soon. Websites coming. Um, we're going to have a, I'm going to have a big passion project of focusing on shoe and gear reviews. It's all going to be under the umbrella of race brain. Yes, it will. And uh, I might, I may say that we look charmingly handsome in these caricatures that uh, are going to be going on the cover. I'm quite impressed with those. <laughs> that's right. We're working on our logo right now. Yeah. All right. I know we got to wrap this up. Huh, Bracken? Yeah. So stay tuned, pay attention on training Tuesday. We'll talk more about it and we'll be posting on social media about where to find us and all the good details. That's right, baby. Guess what I'm going to go do right now? Go work on that flooding of your floor. Well, that'll be taken care of, but I hopped in the shower in the dark when the electricity was off, thought the shower would work. Well, it did for about two minutes, just enough time for me to lather up with soap and then for the water to shut right off on me. So I got to go back in the shower and rinse off this uh, Dove men's body wash. Wow, that's dedication. It is. All right, we'll talk to you later, folks. Till next time.